Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. The greatest success story the world has ever known. Yeah. And hey, it won't be long. We're going to take it all back. I uh, tweeted out something yesterday with myself and uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, We were somewhere anyway. Um, Jim, I'd really prefer Jim to be uh, the Speaker of the House rather than Kevin McCarthy, but we'll, we'll see how that pans out. You're listening to <laughs> the C.L. Bryant Show. I mean, I really, I'm really fired up about uh, what we are going to do here in these next uh, few months and a couple of years. We're going to take back the House and we're going to recover the Senate. We're going to do that. Uh, the way things are, are shaking out, I, I certainly want you to be excited about it, too. And we're going to be talking about that type of thing uh, all day today, these next couple of hours. And I want to thank all of you coming along with us, building the bridge to conversation daily right here on the C.L. Bryan Show. Today we are live. I'm not having to travel. I have settled in, folks. I have. Well, I'm not really settled in. I don't even have a dinette table in my <laughs> Uh, I have settled in, though, but it's a new start, new life, new place, all of that, uh, new experiences, new people, all this type of thing is uh, taking shape right here in, in my life. I thank God that he has allowed me to see a point where I have actually made a transition from um, just being incredibly sad and uh, trying to, you know, I don't know, um, bury some things but and things have to be buried things have to be gone on but folks i have i have made the transition and uh the new lease on life is uh is beginning Uh, it started and the new show new lease on the show the show is going to take on all types of different um facets we have the youtube channel uh that is coming i I have um, uh, a young acquaintance of mine coming to um Help me set the help, help at least give me an idea of what I can do to set this thing up here uh, shortly. Jared is back in Louisiana, and if I could talk Jared into coming down, I'd have two really great tech guys. I would, I, we could open up a, uh, anyway, we'll talk about that down the road. But just the same, the show, you'll see the difference uh, in the show here in the next few months. Um, as I mentioned to you, we're we're trying to get. Uh, some things together so we can do our next film, our next movie. And uh, all of you are familiar with Runaway Slave. You're familiar with me. You had to be run- familiar with Runaway Slave, and uh, which was a groundbreaking film, award-winning film, back uh, seven years ago now. But it is time. It is time for the next work to come out, and we're making preparations to do that and also expand our reach back out into the the, the country as far as visiting uh, your churches, your schools, and your uh, places of gathering in your various states. We're about to launch that again now that COVID 
and the um, the fright. And I don't think it's ever going to really go away, but the fright of COVID uh, is beginning to wane. It's beginning to go away a little bit. It's beginning to uh, subside, and people are wanting to get back into their own lives. And so that naturally that means in these politically charged times that we happen to live in uh, right now, that means that uh, commentators like myself and and Hannity become um, a little bit more visible. And, uh, and yeah, Sean, I am coming to try and share share some of that basking spotlight uh, that you uh, enjoy and you have been so gracious to share with me. And um, naturally, all of us are looking for um, someone to fill uh, at least a portion of the void that Rush has left for so many of us to uh, take a, sh- a shot at uh, ourselves. As you know, uh, this show uh, was in direct, came on the same time uh, that Rush did. And uh, as a result of that, uh, naturally, um, the share of listeners that we would have at any given time would not be as, as great. Rush was a supernova in this industry and um, Sean is definitely one and there are others who are making their move now to try to have their voices heard and I don't I'm not ashamed to tell you that uh, and I'm not shy to tell you either uh, that the C.L. Bryant show is one of those those voices that want to be heard we believe we have something to say in a way to say it that uh, very few can and so um, with the life experiences that, you know, I've had, God has blessed me with various life experiences and that uniquely qualify me for such a time as this. And so we're going to make our move. We're going to make a film and we're going to do the YouTube thing and uh, engage uh, through our people at Freedom Works as well. We almost have five, six million. Well, six million, almost six million on, uh, was it four or five? I can't remember, five, five million on our Facebook page. Um, 4 million on 4.99 or something like that <laughs> on our Facebook page. Coming up on the show today will be none other than Freedom Works' own John Tammany, Director of Economic Policy there for our um, great large organization. We boast nearly 6 million, I know that figure, uh, activists on the ground around the country just like you. And, uh, hey, it has been my job, and I've been very proud to do it, to sort of crisscross the country maybe once a month uh, or twice, uh, every three, every, you know, twice a quarter or something like that, uh, to see some of you folks out there and shake hands. And our job at FreedomWorks is to build, educate, mobilize uh, the largest grassroots organization in the nation. And, of course, if you want C.L. Bryant to come out there to you, uh, by all means, you can get in touch with me uh, very easily. And, of course, uh, if you do it through FreedomWorks, uh, hey, we might be able to work something out. But you can always get in touch with me independently uh, as well. Well, coming up uh, also on in the show is Ken Blackwell. Ken Blackwell is um, someone whose shoulders, um, and I, I cannot believe this, Michelle, I cannot believe this, that uh, we have never, never had Ken Blackwell on the show. I, I, I just cannot believe this. I do know this, and Ken, I'm going to tell you this when I get you on the phone. I do know that we did attempt 
to get you in our um, film the first time, Runaway Slave, but there was um, some type of time scheduling or something and that we, we were going to be there and then we moved on. But Ken's going to be on the show today. And I just think that you, all of us, are going to be absolutely um, blessed by his appearance here on the show. As I was saying to you, um, on his shoulders and as well as uh, people like um, Dr. Thomas Sowell, my dearly departed friend, Herman Cain, who was a mentor of mine as well, um, we stand, I stand, I stand. Uh, and any black conservative, any conservative, uh, whether you're black, white, or whoever, whether you may not even know it, you, you stand on shoulders like Ken Blackwell's, uh, who's paving the way long before I got into this game uh, myself, nearly 20 years ago now, 25, 25, 26 years ago, I became a Republican. That reminds me. That reminds me. Hey, I got to register. I'm probably got to register as a Republican here pretty soon. And, um, or, the independent thing is really beginning to grow up. I don't know if um, I want to go back to being independent. I think I want to. Uh, you're, you're pretty. You're pretty uh, lonesome. You're pretty lonesome in any political at any political party. <laughs> I'm talking about if the, if, the, the, if the politicians are throwing a party, and the Democrats are there, the Republicans are there, and you're there as an independent. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're pretty lonesome. <laughs> There's, although that's changing, that is changing. Independents are now looked at as a very attractive. If you're an independent, both parties are going to be trying to court you, because more and more people are falling out of. Either party, uh, the Democrat Party, they're falling out of the Republican Party as well. But you know what the trend, too, is? And it's kind of disturbing to me that the trend is like this. But this is also a trend that's going on. There's a falling away from the church. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I, I have a feeling that it has a lot to do with uh, with COVID. But the strange thing about church folks, the strange thing about church folks, uh, and I've known, I've known this having been a pastor over, you know, many, many years. I've pastored three churches across the country. And um, let me tell you something, um, whether you're in California or whether you're in Florida, I've pastored on both coasts. Co- coasts. <laughs> I've pastored on both coasts. <laughs> coasts. <laughs> But anyway, I have done that, and I have noticed that when people stay, <laughs> stay out of church, <laughs> get over it. when people stay out of church, it seems to be easier for them to stay out of church. Oh, don't text me that, Michelle. Okay, yeah. Okay, I said it. All right. You just make sure we got our guest on, please. Could you please just do that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, both. But anyway. But people who miss church and they came regularly. You know what I'm talking about? They came regularly, but then, you know, something comes up and they, they stay home. And then, um, well, next week, 
I don't know if I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going. And, and then be, be, before you know it, it's easy to do. I think I think when people don't engage with whatever political party they happen to be engaged with, when people don't do that, I think I think it becomes sort of like that church thing as well. You know what I'm saying? I think it just becomes easier not to do it, not to go vote. Oh, there, there's many more registered voters than people that actually go vote. And I, I think it has that same type of, uh, you know, thing to it as staying out of church. When you don't go, it's just easier not to go. You know what I'm saying? And that, my friends, is it, it is affecting all of us in a, what's the word they used to use, uh, lackadaisical. You become lackadaisical. I think that's the right word. On whatever coast is coast you live on, you I mean you become lackadaisical, and we can't afford to do that. John Tamney's going to talk to us uh, a little bit in a little bit about um, when politicians and and how we got into this situation. And the next hour, you don't you want to want to, don't want to miss Tamney. You don't miss Ken Blackwell coming up here in the next segment. You, there's so much that Ken and I are going to cover uh, in the time that we have together here today, up until the top of the hour. But you do not want to miss John Tamney either, because Tamney has just written this book that deals with um, the panic that politicians caused. And, and and the the panic that caused them to react in an, an irrational way. Tammy's going to bring a lot of common sense uh, conversation to why we are where we are in this COVID thing. And also, Ken Blackwell has so many different opinions. His resume is, is incredible. It's extensive. But we want him to describe to us what the ACRU organization is all about. Uh, Ken is a member of uh, the board of directors of uh, ACRU, an action fund, and it is a uh, policy board. And, of course, his political career is vast. Ken Blackwell, he's coming up in the next, in about five, ten minutes, he's coming up in the next segment. And his political career is vast. Um, was mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. He was once the mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, treasurer and secretary of state, state of Ohio. Um, and, of course, he was the undersecretary at the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development ambassador to the United Nations uh, Human Rights Commission. He's coming up in uh, the next segment. Uh, His reputation, of course, precedes him. Um, Former athlete, in fact, could have gone to play ball with the Dallas Cowboys, but uh, because um, they didn't necessarily suit his, wasn't his cup of tea. He decided uh, to do something else. And you got to admire a man for that type of conviction and that type of courage. Uh, 
Uh, he is um, an athlete. Um, Xavier University put him into the Hall of Athletic Hall of Fame back in 2015, and it's by high time they did. <laughs> yeah, it's high time they did. Ten institutions of higher learning have bestowed upon him honorary degrees of doctorate. They think a lot of him. And so do I. We're going to have him on uh, here in just a few minutes. Ken Blackwell, J. Kenneth Blackwell, will be coming up here in just a few minutes. Don't you go anywhere. The next hour we're going to have on John Tamney. Uh, Both these men are incredible minds. Tamney is one of the greatest, best minds in the country. And uh, you get to hear a chance to hear all of that right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. And um, thank you all for making our show as popular as it has become and also as effective as it has become. And um, there are people wanting more of it. Uh, so we're going to do what we can to provide that. I'm in the process, uh, as we speak, of um, bringing on board uh, people who can help put these building blocks in place and help the show grow, go, and create uh, whatever's necessary for it to be as large as the Lord will allow it to be. And so uh, it's all to him, to him be the glory for anything that I have accomplished, um, am accomplishing, and may accomplish in my life. I want to say that uh, ahead of time, and I want to say that continually uh, to God be the glory. And so um, coming back, when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to be joined by J. Kenneth Blackwell. Ken Blackwell is going to be on uh, with me. And friends, uh, don't go away. Don't go away. This is going to be an incredible uh, interview. I'm looking forward to it. And we also want to encourage you if you want to become a part of the largest, one of the largest grassroots organization in the nation, I believe we might be the largest. We boast six million activists on the ground uh, around the nation and even international. We started the first uh, tea party, <laughs> I got to tell you, in Tel Aviv. I was there. Uh, my um, Jane was there with me, and we were there with Freedom Works, Glenn Beck. We were all together, Joe Carey, all of us were together. And uh, Matt Kibbe, uh, you know, all of us were together. Brandon, uh, yeah, Larry, Bra- uh, Larry, Bra- Larry Brandon, Adam Brandon, uh, oh, um, oh, Brendan, Brendan Steinhauser, all of us were together back in those days and had a fantastic time. We call our first Jewish tea party kosher tea, kosher tea. Taxed enough already, folks. That's what they were taxed enough already and they love the idea although they recoiled from the idea of capitalism i'll talk to you about it along with ken blackwell when we return i'm cl don't you go anywhere be right back
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL by with you coast to coast, border to border throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. Yes, still, uh, still uh, America, the greatest success story the world has ever known. Ain't that America something to see? I'm telling you all of that it is. Hey, my friends up in uh, New York City, if you're traveling through Times Square and it's beginning to come back to life a little bit now. Look up above the iconic Ripley's Believe It or Not, and uh, there you will see the home of the talk monster billboard, Red State Talk, largest talk platform in the nation. Uh, And every hour, 24 hours a day, the C.L. Bryant Show does pop up there on that billboard. No C.L.'s face. Looking right back at you about a block from where they dropped the big ball. I have a feeling 2022 is going to be the time for us to drop that ball. Because things are going to change. We're going to take back the House. We're going to take back the Senate. And I'm telling you right now, we're going to do it. Let's mobilize. Let's educate. Let's build that right now. Someone who has been instrumental. And uh, quite frankly, I don't know if I've ever just told him this. I definitely told Herman this often. Uh, Herman Kane, uh, my mentor, one of my mentors, told him this often. And I want to tell you this, Ken uh, Blackwell, who's coming on with me, author extraordinaire, uh, great mind, uh, former mayor of Cincinnati, and uh, shaker and mover in the great state of Ohio is my next guest. But, Ken, I want to tell you, before you come on, you are uh, the shoulders that people like myself have stood on, you and Dr. Thomas Sowell, who graced us with uh, being in our film, Runaway Slave, your shoulders and people like you. Uh, we want to thank you uh, ahead of time for being on with me. And so help me welcome uh, to the show for the first time. And I can't believe, Michelle, that we've never had Ken Blackwell on the show. Uh, Ken Blackwell, J. Kenneth Blackwell, welcome to the C.L. Bryant Show. Hey, Reverend. How you doing? I am doing fantastically well, my friend. I'm so glad that you are on with us. Kenneth, tell us about what you are doing now with the new organization that is launching out into the deep. Talk to us. Well, look, we're right in the middle of the fight. The uh, American Constitutional Rights Union, the policy board and its action uh, board are in the middle of this fight uh, to save our constitutional republic and to save American exceptionalism because uh, Senate Bill 1 or S1 as it is known, uh, we call it the Corrupt Politicians Act, uh, is a direct threat to American exceptionalism. It is not just piercing uh, election integrity. Uh, it, in fact, is, is designed to move us towards a one-party controlled government that is highly centralized uh, and very muscular. And as you you know, 
uh, CL, uh, and, and it goes back to what Aristotle said. He said there is a direct relationship between the organized power of the state and individual liberty. The more powerful and muscular the, the state, the less, the less liberty. You know that this is legislation geared to make the federal government very muscular, and it puts at risk our liberty. And all you have to do is to go to the agenda of organizations like Black Lives Matter, and it tells you that this is more than about elections. This is about the destruction of the nuclear family. It's about chasing God and faith out of the public square. And as I always have said to you, that second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence summed it up for us. It talks about self-evident truths. My dad used to say that this means any knucklehead should be able to understand this, that our fundamental human rights are not grants from government. They're gifts from God. There's not a government on the earth that can give us our human rights. It can only protect it. That's the struggle that we're in because the left now is trying to build a very muscular central government that one party controls and it puts at risk our liberty. Amen to that. Now, Ken, when we talk about American exceptionalism, would you expound on what that means? I do believe that in our nation now there is a lack of understanding of what a unique nation is at stake when we just, 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 put at risk. Just, just, just think about it. Just think about it. We, our, our country is now 200, this year, 245 years old. In 245 years, we have become the most diverse, the most democratically governed nation in all of human history. We've become the most prosperous government. That doesn't mean that we have been perfect. You know, as Lincoln said, we're not a perfect union, but we're a perfectible union. And as Martin Luther King and others have proven, that when great nations are not the products of great governments, they're the products of good people doing great things together, moving the nation in the right direction. And for 245 years, we've been moving in the right direction. That is why we have become the shining city on the hill. That's why so many people, you know, disregard our, our, our legal borders and, and, and crash to get into this country. Because one, we are one of the freest, if not the freest country in the world. And secondly, we are very prosperous uh, and we respect individual liberty because we know who gave us that liberty, and it wasn't the federal government. Absolutely. Ken Blackwell is my uh, special guest uh, here in these next uh, couple of segments. Uh, uh, I want to ask you then, or uh, what you said about uh, um, our union being wasn't perfect. Our, our founders knew that it wasn't perfect, Ken. They said in order to form a more perfect right. union, more perfect than it was. And, and that's a continual uh, thing, folks. We're, we're constantly trying to do that, but there are forces trying to take it down. Ken, when we look at the chaos and the rules of radicals, rules for radicals, that certainly have been uh, pushed by Alinsky and others, is, are we seeing that being played out in real time on American streets right now. Speak to us about how the Constitution may be taken down. Look, just, just, just think about it. Dr. King wrote a book, and it talked about a choice, community or chaos. 
you look at the very basic word of community, it is the coming together of disparate parts. You know, unity does not mean uniformity. So it means that we are different, but we have common values of decency, and there is a moral framework that governs how we live. And in this country, the rule of law has been paramount to making sure uh, that there is order in our lives, safety on our streets. You start taking God and faith out of the public square, you start talking about, you know, defunding the police. And one of the things that I know as a former mayor, that if in fact you want to see capital flee your city, if you want to see people who are what I call net taxpayers, uh, meaning that they in fact pay more in taxes than they demand in service, if you want to start seeing those people leave, leaving our cities poor, uh, leaving our cities more worn in terms of infrastructure, all you have to do is make cities unsafe. And that is why the left, the anarchists, have chosen anarchy and chaos. And it's, it's a direct threat to the building of the sort of community that our founders understood that we needed. Uh, and, and look, see, uh, you and I know this. The family is the incubator of liberty. And if you have folks on the left who are saying that one of their objectives is to destroy the nuclear family, they're talking about destroying the incubator of liberty. And if they destroy the incubator of liberty, what do they do? They build dependency. Wow. And when they build dependency, we stop being free citizens and we become humanoids. Wow. Ken Blackwell's my special guest. You know, Ken, my father always told me, vote your pocketbook. Regardless of what the candidate or whoever or the party, regardless of what they look like, son, vote your pocketbook. Ken, my question to you is this. What has made us, uh, speaking of black people in particular, even though and we have to speak in colors here in this country, but that's the way it is. For the sake of conversation, why is it that black people have had an unhealthy relationship with their own pocketbooks in their voting styles and the way we have voted over uh, a 60-year period of time, uh, possibly that long. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, you know, one of the things that we've done, once you, when, when you become more and more dependent on government, you, li- you lose your risk orientation. You know, the great baseball player uh, of the American Negro Baseball League, Satchel Page, once said, you know, it is very difficult to steal second base if you want to keep one foot on first base. Well, that means that life is about a risk orientation, taking reasonable risks to be free. If what you want is comfort and dependency, you in fact will surrender your individual liberty and your initiative. If in fact what you want is to be free, you take the risk of freedom. That means that you engage in struggle. Frederick Douglass said it best. He said, those who are whooped easiest are whooped most often. Amen. Amen to that. And friends, you had better believe it. And if there's one thing that the, the liberals have found out about you is that you will take 
a beating without saying a word about it. And so my special guest is uh, Ken Blackwell here in this segment. I'm really grateful to have him on board with us. Ken, before we go any further, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, how to engage with you, how to bring you to where they are if they're so inclined, how to help the organization to preserve our Constitution. Talk to us. Well, you can go to uh, VC, the, the ACRU.org to find out about our organization, about our efforts. Uh, you can you can just go to my Facebook page, my public page, uh, Ken Blackwell, uh, and then uh, at Ohio Blackwell is my uh, my uh, Twitter uh, my Twitter handle. So, uh, and I, I write regularly for 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 Town Hall. Uh, and and I also uh, do a lot of work for the Family Research Council, uh, and so those, those are these organizations, you know, have something in common. Uh, they respect uh, the Constitution uh, because it is it, it places a harness on the growth uh, and muscular uh, power of, of centralized government. It decentralizes that governmental power, uh, but it puts an emphasis on individual liberty there's a there's a concept called subsidiarity which means that government that 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 governs best is the government that's the smallest unit and closest to you that's why in our election systems you know we have precincts because one that's the way that you can verify that people are who they say they are and two that is a way that you can make sure that there's a tight grip on the chain of custody of people's important ballots. And so uh, you can find out about me. But, you know, the other thing is we, you and I, understand about building coalitions. Uh, and so I do a lot of work with Freedom's Work. I do, a, I do a lot of work with Heritage Action. And we're all in this together. We understand how to be force multipliers for for one another and that's what we have to do we have to be engaged because thomas Paine said it dl he said those who expect to weep the blessings of freedom must undergo the fatigue of supporting it absolutely absolutely ken blackwell and you know what uh it's an old saying that goes around, floats around our uh, home office there in D.C. at FreedomWorks, uh, we don't really care who gets the credit as long as the job gets done. That is, that, that, that's the philosophy that, that we have. And, uh, Ken, you know, you, you were talking about uh, risk-taking and, and so forth. And, by the way, we're going to do our next film here real soon. We tried. We wanted to get you in Runaway Slave, but, but uh, scheduling was wrong. But we're going to get you. You're going you're gonna to be in our next film uh, that, we're, that, we're coming up, that we're coming out with. And, uh, but you talk about you you (laughs) thank you sir uh you you talked about uh risk taking taking risk and you know i know that uh, most of us who are uh conservative businessmen know that it takes risk you you have to spend something you have to risk something in order to get the reward you should have the reward america is a place where you can do that but now where where is where is that being is that being bled out or is that being uh, weaned out of our young people's mind? Is there more of an entitlement type of of they're not getting their own stuff? They want our stuff, Ken. Talk talk to talk yeah, to us and, about that. Yeah, and, and that's that's the, 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 the sort of breeding of dependency. And when my dad came back from World War Two, 
uh, he came back to a, to a city, Cincinnati, that was still had vestiges of segregation. So we lived in a public housing community, you know, for the early part of my, my, my childhood. Uh, but, you know, back then we had what it was called relief. You know, it, relief was temporary. You know, it, 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 it helped you in a moment. It was a bridge through a, a tough moment. Uh, but you, you, you were still uh, an architect and, and a participant in your own upliftment. That rapidly moved towards uh, the growth and depth of the welfare state. And all of a sudden, as opposed to having a risk orientation, there was this, this, this growing dependency that has trans, uh, you know, transitioned into an expectation that you can get something for nothing because it is owed to you. Wow. And, and that's an attitude uh, for, for slavery uh, and for being just nothing more than a humanoid. Wow. You know, my father, too, was a World War II vet, uh, Italy, North Africa, uh, was uh, was uh, where his tours led him uh, back then. And when he came home, like like your father, uh, he didn't meet the, the America that he wanted it to be, but it became that for him because he participated in making it that way. He began. He built. Eventually, he came out of the the public housing like your like your dad did, and he and he built his own home when most of us lived in shotgun houses or down on the farm. He he was enterprising. Didn't have much education, but he took opportunity where opportunity was available. Ken, is that still the same opportunity available? Is being is being taught to us talk to our children at least our grandchildren that the opportunity is gone in america when they've never experienced what that was about talk to us that's 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 not true uh you know that's that, that is the mindset uh that 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 this big socialist oriented government wants you to to believe you know i think it starts with a, a fundamental understanding that, I, let me just give you an example. I had a great uncle. His name was, uh, he was my mother's uncle, so he was my great uncle, but he was also a great man. He was the first black American to win an Olympic gold medal in a track and field event. Wow. Uh, and that, that was in 1924. His name wow. Was D. Hart His name was D. Hart Hubbard. He set the world record in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, long jump, but he was supposed to run against Eric Little of Chariots of Fire fame uh, in the 100 yards dash. But when he got to Paris, he was told that the 100 and the high hurdles, which he also quite Ken, save that story. Save that story right there. Save that story. I'm coming up on a hard break, Ken. Save that story. I don't want to. I want you to re- re- reset that. I want it told, and I want it told with time to tell. I'm on with Ken Blackwell. I'm C.L. Bryant. We'll be back with more of the C.L. Bryant Show coming to you live over Red State, the talk monster, the largest talk platform in the nation, Red State Talk. Uh, Hey, greatest nation on the face of the planet, greatest success story the world has ever known. You thought I was worth saving, so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. CL throughout the fruited plains and around the globe over the talk monster red state talk CL Bryant show comes to you live we're not live every day sometimes I'm not here but we're on every day daily from 1205 until 2 p.m. Eastern every day and so thank you for coming along making the show as popular as it has become and uh, be sure to go to freedomworks freedomworks.org become a part of one of the largest grassroots organizations in the nation building educating mobilizing and uh the largest grassroots roots organization in uh, the country. Coming up, John Tamney, one of our economic advisors there. And in fact, he is our policy advisor on economics there at uh, FreedomWorks. He'll be joining us. But right now, I have on with me a fascinating, fascinating uh, interview that we have been doing with uh, Ken Blackwell and Michelle. We got to put him in the regular rotation, have him on regular. Ken, I've been blessed by what you've been able to tell us. You were sharing with us, though, the story of a great uncle, and I want every, I don't want anyone to miss the, the point to this story. Go ahead and talk to us. Ken Blackwell. My uncle, Z. Hart Hubbard, again, was the first black American to win an Olympic gold medal. Uh, he did it in 1924 games, but when he got to Paris, he had qualified for three events, the 100, the high hurdles, and the long jump. Uh, he was told that the high hurdles and the 100 uh, were white-only events, and he was he was to run against Eric Little of Chariots of Fire fame, and they had a transatlantic debate as to who was the fastest in the world. Uh, he set the world record in the long jump. When he came back home, he told my mom's generation that God had blessed him because even though he didn't get to compete against Eric, he watched, he witnessed Eric choose not to run in the final because it fell on the Sabbath, and he, in fact, said, God's lesson to him was greater than a gold medal in the 100-yard dash. It was the importance of fidelity to faith. He then came back to Cincinnati. He had graduated top 10% of his class at University of Michigan. He, in fact, uh, couldn't get a job but for just with the recreation department. He expanded not old baseball into, into uh, the black community. He was one of the founders of the American Negro Baseball League. He created the Cincinnati Tigers. They had a relationship with the Cincinnati Reds. He left a legacy for me. I am now a shareholder of the Cincinnati Reds. uh, And one, that is why I dedicated myself not as an echo, but as a distinct voice within the Major League Baseball community. And so I felt that it was imperative 
that I speak out against the bonehead move of the commissioner to take the all-star game out of Atlanta, Georgia, over his misunderstanding, misinterpretation of the Georgian legislation that brought election integrity up several notches, making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. Uh, and I, I tell you that story because it talks about the intergenerational connection uh, and example that we set. You and I set the example for our children's generation and their children's generation. Amen. And you know the what, power Ken? of example is so important, and that's why I know that we're not going to lose our ability as a people to speak up and speak out and be architects of our own upliftment. You know, Ken, uh, you know, you bring it to mind. I have, I have uh, three daughters and a son. I was speaking to my son uh, yesterday. I'm so proud of the father and the husband that he has become. I'm so proud of that. And uh, I, I, I look forward to preserving an American climate for business where he, his children, my grandchildren, can actually enjoy the blessings of liberty that uh, you and I, coming from the humble beginnings that we became, that we came from, uh, to, to what this country has provided for us, regardless of our skin color. Is there anything that our skin color, Kenneth Blackwell, J. Kenneth Blackwell, is there anything now in 2021 America uh, Ken, that uh, you and I, having having seen what it was back in segregation, I'm 65, uh, uh, Ken. Now, I'm not telling nobody that. Uh, you know, I feel good, look good, and thank God for it. But is there anything that our, the color of our skin would be a, a, a block, a roadblock to, for us at this point in time in America? Speak to us, Ken. No, I, you know, I, I I really don't think that there's anything systemic. You know, do you still have knuckleheaded individual folks who are who are color uh, focused and racist? Yeah. You know, do you in fact uh, have an environment where individual initiative, hard work, and risk taking can pay off? I mean, there's no guarantee of success, but failure is just another opportunity to pick yourself up and go in a better direction. Uh, and so, I. <laughs> You can't become a prisoner of of America's history past, it, where you, you get locked into thinking that you know we're still operating under the conditions uh, that our fathers and grandfathers and great grandfathers and great grandmothers operated under. That is just not true. You know, we in fact now are mayors of cities. We are governors and lieutenant governors and senators and Congress people. Yeah, you know, the, the the fact of the matter is, it go, we've come a full circle. We are not a perfect nation. We are a perfectible nation, uh, and we are the most opportunity-oriented nation on the face of the earth. That is why people are breaking down doors, and illegally crossing our borders to get here. 
They sure are doing it, folks, and you better believe it. Ken, you could have had a professional football career, and it could have been with the Dallas Cowboys. Talk to us about <laughs> why that did not materialize. Now, that's my team. I got to tell you, I am a Cowboy fan. And I got to tell you something else. Michelle and her husband are both Cowboy fans, so you're surrounded. <laughs> Talk to us about it. I love it. You know what? I had I had a, 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 a fleeting moment with the Cowboy organization but because I could not play linebacker and they made me play offensive guard and they hadn't outlawed uh, head knocking at the time, there were people on the defensive side of the line that said, boy, you better preserve what little brains God has given you and find something else. <laughs> <laughs> and when I, when I tell people, this was 50 years ago, 50 years wow, ago. Wow, wow. Guess what? Guess what? Contract was to that side. It was a three-year contract. Oh well, yeah, how, much? Was, how much? How much? How much? Thirteen thousand five hundred. Oh. <laughs> 13, oh. Second year. Thirteen thousand. I mean, eighteen thousand and five hundred the third. Year. And you thought you were balling. You thought you were really balling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ken. Yeah. Ken. It was a great, uh, I'm sure it was. Ken, I, I've asked everybody on this show, uh, uh, from Sean Hannity to uh, Judge Janine Pirro to uh, people who work uh, for the garbage industry and uh, help uh, do their part in making our city uh, clean. I've asked them this question, but I want to ask you because I think it's a very important question to put on the record. Uh, Ken, when we talk about legacy, when it is um, time for you to sort of step back and maybe not rock on the porch, but just sort of ponder the sunset with uh, whoever's significant in your life. When we talk about Ken Blackwell's legacy, what is it that you want to leave behind for us to talk about? What do you want us to say about you? You know, see, there's a, a question asked in Psalms 11, verse 3. If the foundation be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? I want to be remembered as someone who took a stand for the foundation, not only of this nation, but of Christendom. Ken, that says it all. That says it all. For God, for country. That's, that says it all. Frank, Ken, thank you so much for being on with thank me. You. God bless and God keep you. We'll have you on again, believe me, real soon. Talk to you soon. God bless. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryan Show. That was Ken Blackwell. Jay Kenneth Blackwell uh, was my guest, author extraordinaire, athlete to his heart. No question about it. I can still tell. And he has, he's from that type of stock. Uh, evidently, great uncle, uh, first black Olympian. I got I to gotta hear more about that story. Y'all know I'm a frustrated actor and athlete. So, <laughs> so, so I, I have a lot to talk to Ken about. It seems like we have a, the same type of common background. Our fathers both. Uh, World War II veterans and evidently instilled certain principles into us that he shared and very recognizable. I, the minute he started talking about it, I recognized exactly uh, the type of man that uh, his father was and because I had one myself. And so um, and, and, and maybe that is the thing, folks, that is beginning to absolutely be missed on the American landscape and on the American horizon is that man that uh, should be there in that house, that man that should be there to set 
an example. And as I said to you, uh, I spoke to my son uh, yesterday, and I'm so proud of him. But if it was not for L.C. Bryant, my father, and then uh, who, who passed on to Cleon Lewis Bryant, uh, his son, me, C.L., and then I pass on to my son, L.C. Bryant, again, <laughs> yeah, because we got that initial thing going on in our family. And then he passes on to his son, C.L. Bryant. You know, that is the tradition that I, I, I really am proud of. And I'm sorry um, that so many in my family, in my family, uh, don't have that type of uh, tradition, that type of lineage that you can pass things on down through. And so I look forward to uh, each and every one of you taking note of how the definitions are being changed in this country. Definitions of family has changed. Man and woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gender, the definitions are changed. When you change the definitions, you change the destinations. Don't you, don't you, don't you make the mistake of believing that the two are not uh, eternally intertwined. Definitions and destinations. And then if they are eternally uh, intertwined, then who in fact... uh, instigated or gave the original definitions of male and female of family you must ask that question where did the original definition uh, come what is the root of those definitions who uh, instituted those definitions and then you ask do I have a right to change those definitions huh And that's where we are now. We're trying to reach uh, different destinations with this agenda. And y'all better believe it. It's an agenda that the Democrats, the Democrats, liberals, Joe Biden being a pawn of them, because Joe's certainly not in charge of the country. Are you kidding me? We'll talk more about it on the other side of the the show. John Tamney, Freedom Works. John Tamney will be my special guest when I return. Don't y'all go anywhere. I'm CL. Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show.
Welcome back. Welcome back throughout the Fruited Plains and across uh, the globe of uh, this great, great world that we live in, created by God for us. And, of course, we've been given this portion to be uh, stewards of. That's what it is. And, hey, let's preserve our nation as it has been. Let's preserve the tenants that made it uh, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. Let's not change those definitions too uh, much so that we don't identify uh, we can't identify ourselves. Welcome back to C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, and thank you for coming along with us daily as we build the bridge to conversation right here on the largest talk platform in the nation, Red State, the talk monster uh, throughout the Fruited Plains and around the globe. If you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's, believe it or not, that iconic building houses the Talk Monster billboard, Red State Talk, and 24 hours a day, about a block from where they drop the big ball there in Times Square, the C.L. Bryant Show does pop up there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and old C.L.'s face looking right back at you. Hey, friends, they ain't that America something to see. Uh, humble beginnings I came from. My parents, my parents, my father and and uh, his father before him were basically illiterate. That's how the initials got all started in my family. John Tamney is someone who is one of my colleagues, and he has written uh, several books, but two in particular that uh, struck my and got my attention big time, The End of Work, and then uh, his latest work uh, gives us an idea of the when politicians panic. It's not good for you or I. Michelle, I can't believe we haven't had John Tamney before him. Ken Blackwell was on with me. But I can't believe that we have not had John Tamney on the show. Folks, help me welcome to the show for the first time, Freedom Works. John Tamney, the director of our uh, Center for Economic Freedom. John, welcome to the C.L. Bryant Show. Hey, CL, thanks for having me on. And really, what's going on that you've never had John Tamney on the show before? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, John, but I tell you what, brother, we have just you remedied. You must not love liberty. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are going to remedy that. We have remedied that uh, this day. We certainly have. John, you know I admire your work. I admire you and folks. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. And I want to let you know that uh, your work has been totally inspiring to me and believe me i've stole a lot of phrases from your from your work uh there and i i, I spout them everywhere i go if there's one thing that you uh talk about uh in uh your book uh as far as uh the politicians panicking uh and tell us about how we got to where we are with this COVID fiasco that we have been facing talk to us john tamney well, we got to where we are because just as politicians exist to spend, they exist to do things. Uh, who needed politicians to do things when a virus was spreading? I don't know about you, but I don't need to be forced to avoid what might make me sick or in rare instances put me in the hospital or in rare instances kill me. And so the idea that I needed to be forced, the idea that I need to lose my job or have my business destroyed so that we could fight a virus – brings new meaning to non-sequitur. Historians will marvel that they chose economic desperation as their solution to a virus. How about just letting people use their own common sense? Wow. Wow. Economic desperation 
is uh, was something that they used to combat this. They threw us into a state of economic desperation. John, expand upon that. Well, think about what they did. The most dynamic, prosperous economy in the world. All of a sudden, within a matter of weeks, 25% of it was in deep freeze. Imagine that. A virus is spreading, so let's destroy tens of millions of jobs. Let's destroy or impair millions of businesses. Whoever came up with that, let's never forget that economic growth has always by far been the greatest enemy that death and disease have ever known, whereas poverty has been the biggest killer mankind has ever known. The political class in the U.S. and around the world collectively chose poverty this time around to fight a virus by saying that your work doesn't matter anymore. Your business is no longer essential. You stay home. We will lock you down. If you open up your business that you spent your life building, we will cut off electricity to you. That's what politicians do. That's what they do when they are not blocked. This is the damage they cause in such short order. Let's please never forget this. And, John, is that the panic, then, that you are referring to in the title of your book? Yes, it's panic. It's this vanity that somehow our lives... Are, are, are reliant on what politicians do. And so if we die, it's somehow their fault. Sorry, my life, I don't think about my life and living in terms of what politicians can do for me. I didn't need them to maybe wash my hands more or maybe stay home if I felt fearful of the virus. Yet they are so full of themselves that they panic that any death would be on them as though they are our guardians. When wow. are people going to wake up to the arrogance of people who would presume that? Wow. Folks, are you hearing this? I certainly hope you are. That's exactly why I cannot believe I have not had John Tamney on this show. John, the passion is oozing over the airwaves throughout the, the country and around the globe of what you are saying. Then I'm sure in the minds of so many, then, is there some type of uh, oligarchy uh, who is uh, instituting these things, and why are we yielding to their directives? Talk to us, John Tammy. Well, I think to some degree we're yielding to them because we can. I think some people love to be told what, the, what told what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. I think the more threatening something is, the greater the call for freedom is. But some people want it, and let's never forget that in this day and time, because we're such a rich country, and I think that's a beautiful thing, people could be locked down and it wasn't a big deal, you know? If your job can be done from anywhere and that's what politicians, that's all they know, oh, why not just lock people down? Can't everyone do their work from home? Can't everyone get on a computer and be fully dialed into the office? And so true for lots of Americans, but if you had the temerity to have a job that was a destination, if you had the temerity to have a job that involved you being around and helping people, forget about it. You were no longer essential. They were going to take it away from you. But it speaks to the arrogance of the political class. Oh, isn't everyone like us? It was Marie Antoinette all over again. It was rich man's coronavirus. And I say this as someone who loves rich people, who gives speeches extolling the virtues of extraordinary inequality. You do. I throw that. It's the politicians, though, who made unequal, who were given better living standards, who presumed that everyone lived like them. And let's take away the right of people to work. 
to make sure that they don't die. If, if, if they don't do what we say, they will die. And so let's do, let's take, let's, let's make sure they don't die on our watch. Wow. The arrogance of that. You know, John, uh, getting back to uh, the, the conversation that I have had you, I've heard you have with uh, numerous audiences now over the, the last few years uh, that we've known each other. Uh, you often do extol the virtues of those who create jobs. And it seems now that there is an all-out attack on that class that does create jobs. What happens when we cause those who create jobs to actually have a greater time doing what they do best? And that's taking risk in creating those jobs. John Tamney, talk to us. What happens is that our living standards soar. Let's never forget, soaring wealth inequality is a sign of rapidly shrinking lifestyle inequality. Why do people get rich in a free country like this? They get rich by mass-producing former luxuries. I'll never forget being in Southern California in 1989, seeing a man with a brick-sized phone talking away on the phone. I walked up close to get a look at this. Who must this movie producer rich person be? And now it doesn't matter the neighborhood you go into this country. We all have supercomputers in our pockets, not brick-sized phones, supercomputers in our pockets. See, the first mainframe computer IBM manufactured in the 1960s cost you over a million dollars to own what filled a room. And so entrepreneurs became billionaires by putting exponentially more powerful computers in our pockets. We can, in many ways, live our lives on these things in our pockets. That's what they do for us. They get rich by improving our lives. There is a company in Silicon Valley today called Grail that has figured out a way to very expertly detect cancer years ahead of time to kill it before it kills you. And this is so important because that's the final chapter of my book. Again, wealth creation is what saves lives. And so this company founded by billionaires Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos will detect cancer well ahead of time and kill it so we can elongate our lives. When we had a chance, though, with the virus spreading, politicians said it's very lethal, so let's destroy wealth as a way of fighting it. Again, historians will marvel at the abject stupidity of the political class. Wow. You know, John, uh, we were together. I, I heard you speak. Oh, my God. I can't remember where we were in Nashville or somewhere like that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you were saying to us uh, that when we um, uh, take away the wealth, the, the, uh, the, 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 the risk takers in our country, then we take away then the middle class jobs. You talked about Rockefeller. You talked about how they took the risk put everything they had into lighting up uh, the world or, or coal or what have talk to us about that john tell us about these moguls who became wealthy and drove the engine well, of america imagine that for a second imagine listeners as you're walking around your house you turn on lights as you walk can you believe the luxurious life you lead do you know how lucky you are see before rockefeller when night fell, it went dark. There was nothing to do. Rockefeller got rich by quite literally lighting up the night for the common man by mass-producing kerosene. And then he produced, mass-produced, refined the gasoline that pushed people around in cars that used to be rarer than millionaires. Rockefeller became the richest man in the world by 
rapidly, totally transforming our living standards. And what did he do? Just in his lifetime alone, he gave away $530 million back when that was a lot of money. $450 million of it went to medical science. See, Rockefeller was coming up for the, to the, to the answers to all that used to kill us. It used to be that no one died of cancer in the United States, not because we were healthier, but because tuberculosis and pneumonia and yellow fever got us first. Rockefeller's wealth was matched with doctors on the way to advances that elongated life. And again, never forget that when people create wealth, it enables them to fund the future, to rush the future into the present, where we no longer worry about what used to kill us with great ease. And again, given the chance, politicians, rather than embrace the wealth creation, embrace freedom and free markets, impose command and control, destroyed businesses and jobs as a way to fight a virus. Never forget the damage they did. John, I want you to talk to us about the end of work, uh, your, your, your book before uh, this one. Um, many Americans uh, uh, hear that phrase and they think it's some bygone or, or some futuristic type of uh, ideal, but it, tell us how real and how soon our young people who are around right now, tell us about uh, your prognostication of how their life will be. My prognostication is that I hope I live another hundred years so that I can <laughs> see how several generations of young people will, do, will work for a living. I put work in quotes. They're going to fall in love with work. Think about people born 150 years ago. They pretty much had no choice in the rich United States. They're most likely going to become a farmer. It didn't matter if you loved farming or hated it. That's what you were going to become. In a, in a world like that, I would have been miserable. I would have been an object of pity. People would have laughed at me, lazy, stupid. But what changed or what freed me from a life of doing something I couldn't stand? Robots. It was fertilizer and tractors that made it possible for people to produce exponentially more food with fewer hands. This didn't put us out of work. It didn't put us into bread lines. It freed us to pursue work that was more aligned with our talents. And so because of even more automation, because of robots, the robots that we're told to hate, you know, robots are going to cause Americans to fall in love with work. These robots will remove all this despicable about it so we can focus in the narrow areas where we do best. It will be you and me magnified. You know how you and I are in love with what we do? Yeah. We're in love with what we do because robots saved us from work that we used to have to do just to get by. It used to be that we all had to work just to create food. No. We are a creation of technology, and this technology is more and more going to free people so that there's hundreds of millions of passionate C.L. and John Candy types living their lives, doing something they can't get enough of. That's the future if there's freedom. And so when politicians took away economic freedom, they slowed this evolution. See, in poor countries, work is, is, is hereditary. It's passed down. In a country like the U.S., we can always aspire to something better because we're constantly erasing the past. Politicians, their infinite wisdom in fighting the virus, chose to freeze the present in place. That's not what we Americans do. John, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, how to get a hold of your work uh, here, and, and take, take these next uh, two or three minutes to, to share with us how to get you to where we are. Well, you can find me at, on, at John Candy at Twitter. Um, uh, you can find me, of course, at Freedom Works, where you and I 
get to lovingly do what we can't get enough of? Are we not incredibly lucky people? We are, John. You can find our books on Amazon. I mean, think about it, CL. Look at what we get to do. Yeah. Can you imagine what your grandparents yeah. would say to you? Wait, they pay you to do this? Wow. Can you believe what we get to do for a living? We get to talk about what we're passionate about and inspire people? Wow. Wow. I can't believe how lucky I am. And what's amazing is if the freedom remains, there will be people generations from now when we'll sadly no longer be around saying, think about how limited the opportunities were for people back in 2021. Yet we're marveling at it. And it's only going to get better. That's what freedom does is it frees the geniuses to create new technologies that allow us to more and more specialize so that we can all be smart. I don't believe anyone's stupid. I don't believe anyone's lazy. But I do think economic growth creates a lot of lazy, stupid people. A lack of economic growth creates a lot of lazy, stupid people because they're not free to do what uniquely elevates. You and I get to do what we love. And wow, we're lucky people. Amen. Blessed by Almighty God, the creator of the universe. I thank you so much, God, uh, God for John Tamney. And I thank you for uh, him shedding light on why we are blessed here in this great land of ours. Because, John, you and I probably come from incredibly different backgrounds, but you know what the common denominator is? We're Americans who understand what our nation has produced and the opportunities that we have. Thank you for sharing that with us here today. Thank you for being on with me. And, John, believe me, believe me, you will be no stranger to this show. Thank you, man, for being on. (laughs) Thanks for having me on, CL. I love you. Love you back. All right, take good care. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. That was uh, my colleague, John Tamney, and I, FreedomWorks. FreedomWorks. Go to freedomworks.org and become a part of the largest grassroots organization, one of the largest grassroots organizations in the nation. Our uh, goal our, is to build, educate, mobilize uh, the largest grassroots organization in uh, our country. FreedomWorks. FreedomWorks.org. And uh, really glad to have... Our, our director of uh, our economic uh, freedom, 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 economic center, John Tamney on with me, uh, the author of The End of Work. And uh, hey, this, this book, I got I haven't read it yet. I got a copy of it um, about how, how these politicians who threw us into this mess that we're in right now. It's over panic. I'm CL. Be right back. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Our hands are lifted. 
lifted high. Our hearts are bowing in reverence. CL, across the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, that is America. And I'm telling you, folks, it is something to see. Uh, I, I love to go to various places in the country and um, talk to various people around the nation. I love doing that. I really do. It's one of those things that um, it helps you know and, and understand the, the, the width and the breadth of this country. And if, you, if, you, if you've only um, been around, if you've only seen and been around where you are, you know, where you grew up and all this kind of stuff. Um, friends, I'm telling you, there is a world out there that is waiting for you. And um, go, and, and you don't have to go outside of it, outside of America to, to, to see it. And it. We can go to Hawaii, which would go going outside of, a, you know, off the mainland. But still, that's even in Hawaii, even though you get this native thing going on and um, you, you, you still, from what I've told, I've never been to Hawaii. I've never been there. I've never been to Hawaii. Uh, Jane and I never went to Hawaii. Um, you still get the Americana from what I'm told. You still have the Americana that's there, even though you're way there, you still have the Americana going on. Um, but when we were in Israel and we went down to Brazil, down to Rio, now Jane and I went to Rio uh, a couple of times and you know, Copacabana and uh, Ipa, uh, Ipanema Beach and uh, down in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, you, even though you, you have this international feel, you don't have an American feel. And there's a difference in it. And both my guests today, both John Tamney and um, earlier Ken, Ken, J. Kenneth Blackwell, they, they both were talking about the exceptionalism of this nation, of our, of our nation. The sad part about all of this is to me uh, is, is that our young people, I mean, people who are under 30, right now we're under 30 they don't really know what we're talking about and 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 the sad thing is and and you have to watch this you have to watch this uh those of you who are over 35 you got to watch this you got to watch being sucked into their way of thinking not that you ignore what the young people are saying. You don't ever want to do that. But they haven't experienced enough of life to set the course. You know what I'm saying? They they haven't experienced enough of it to set the course, unless you're uh, 85 or 90 years old. Because, quite frankly, you know, Joe Biden, uh, well, how old is Joe? 78? Joe Biden's 78 years old, right? Uh... I don't know. <clears throat> and um, what, 15, 13, 14 years? I may, I may just sort of step back and let. Uh, well, I think he's kind of doing that. I think Kamala Harris is is kind of calling the shots, and even she's not calling the shots because how can she call the shots when she was a, a distant? She was distant. She dropped out of the race before Joe 
or, or Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. She dropped out. She was a third, fourth, fifth, sixth choice. Yeah, she had to drop out. Why? Wasn't making no money. Wasn't raising no money. Oh, yeah, politics is a game of, you had to make money. You had to raise money in politics. Kamala wasn't raising any money. So you have Joe Biden, who has never been a favorite of his party, getting the party's nomination, and he's directing, he's, he's, he's moving things around. But he's 78 years old, which means that we are living longer. And uh, I don't know if Joe's the best example of this, but we can handle all kinds of things late into our 70s. Now, John Tamney was telling us that back in the day, you know, I'm talking about the 1800s. Back in the day, folks didn't die of cancer and heart attacks. Why? Not because they they couldn't get cancer and heart attacks. It's because they didn't live long enough to get cancer and heart attacks because diphtheria, uh, tuberculosis, whooping cough, and scarlet fever got them first. And if you live past that, you may be someone who would come down with lumbago. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but but just the same. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We have come to a point in our existence in this country where <laughs> I'm telling you, it's amazing. He was talking about, and you should think about that iPhone or whatever you got in your your, your hand, your your pocket, whatever. You really do have a super computer in your hand. The type of information that is contained in this, and I'm, I'm going to fix and buy, a, I'm going to go looking for another computer here real soon uh, for work. But, but the type of information that you have in your hand could not have even been put on a computer that costs over a million dollars 25 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. The the thing that you're holding in your hand, if you if you have uh, service, internet service, whatever, on your computer, I mean, on your iPhone, and you have all of the little, what they call apps, whether it's a weather app or, uh, you, you know, and the weather and the weather app, I'm, I'm, a, I'm these weather people, I love watching the weather, and I don't know why, but I do, I like watching the weather channels and so forth. Um, and if you're one of the weather people, you can go on the weather app and you can punch in any city in the world. Now, this is fascinating to me. You can punch in any city in the world. And this supercomputer that you hold in your hand will tell you what the weather is 
wherever you do it. You can punch that, you can touch the envelope there, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but you get messages from people that you know and don't know. You can send messages on uh, your message to anybody. This, And, of course, you open Safari, and truly you can go on one, literally, virtually. Well, not literally, but virtually. And, friends, it's amazing what risk has given us in reward. That, that's why you take certain risk, you know, calculate it. And, and I'm telling you now, uh, friends, I don't care what type of business you're in, Joe Biden is going to kill portfolios. He's going to kill them. He's damaging, he's damaging portfolios, Be- believe me. He is damaging portfolios as we speak. You had to be, be very cautious, be frugal on be, be frugal on what you do. Because you, right now, when Trump was, was oh my goodness, when Trump was president of the United States, everybody knew the sky was the limit. The sky was the limit. Uh, I was so optimistic about financial futures and uh, all types of things that's going on. Uh, some things that's going on with me, uh, with property I have in, 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 in Louisiana. Um, you know, I, I was so encouraged when the president, when Donald John Trump was president. But now... Oh, my God. But now, everybody, uh, we're not panicking or anything, but everybody knows that it's time for caution because you don't know what may happen. Depending on how big you're betting out there, I mean, you could be wiped out. You could be wiped out. You could wake up wiped out. That's where we are. And then you have the situation at the border that is breeding even more instability in a land that is economically unstable because of COVID, because of the shutdown. And, you know, John Tammy was saying something that I want you to take heed to. I want you to take heed to it. Listen. How in the world did we get to a point where we let people tell us that in order to save our lives, they want us to ruin our businesses? They, they tell you that, and, and that was, was not the case. It was not. If the mask work, and I'll say it again, I've said it many times, I'm going to say it again. If the mask work, why did we have to close down businesses to begin with? And if the masks don't work, why are we wearing them? Huh? But we, we, we took their, we took, I didn't, I mean, I've, you know, we're going on rock right along. We have, we've rocked right along. 
but there were people, there are people, I know people, friends with people who shut their businesses down. And guess what? It ain't going to reopen. Business does not need a stimulus package. Business needs customers. That, that's what business needs. The government cannot give business enough money to make what they could make if they're left alone by government restrictions. Business just simply needs to be good enough to attract customers. That's all. Business doesn't need stimulus package. Business just needs people in the free market to be able to spend their money. People who are making money in order to spend the money. But Joe Biden wants to have people dependent upon government. Government does not create revenue. Government collects taxes from you and me. But it does not create revenue. You create revenue. You create jobs. You do that. Government doesn't do it. You create the government. But somehow government wants you to believe that you are a function of theirs. No. They are a function of you. We the people. In order to form a more perfect union. The people you send to Washington, D.C., they are a part of you sending them. They didn't go. No, you sent them. You decide you're going to pay for the room and board. You're going to pay for the building that they're going to be in. You're going to pay for the lights that come on in that building so they can take care of our national business, representing you. You vote for them to send them up there to represent you and your interest at home. That's what you do. And you pay for uh, them going. Yeah, you pay them a salary and you pay for them going. But somehow, when they get there, they begin to believe that they are the reason you exist. Huh? Oh, you hear me. They begin to 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 uh, believe that they are the reason you exist. Forget because you know we 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 sort of put them on that pedestal now. I, I can't I can't it's the same way you do your doctors. Huh? Doctors exist because of you, uh, not because of them. But we have put doctors on such a high pedestal that they now believe you won't can't live without them. And quite frankly, you don't want to try. It's because you don't want to try. You need a doctor. You need doctors. And we need good representatives in Washington, D.C., just like you need a good mechanic. Huh? You always need it. You always need to find yourself a good mechanic. I was talking to a friend of mine the other night about, um, you know, I'm going to have to have my vehicles detailed. That reminds me. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's supposed to arrive today. Um, I had a vehicle sent here and to tell you the truth, folks, it's not very expensive. I had a vehicle sent. I think I was telling you this yesterday, but um, it, it, I'm looking for that vehicle to arrive here today. Or 
I'm going to know why, I'm going to know why, I'm going to know why. But I was talking about uh, detailing and, and business, and, and people recommend folks who do good work, right? Well, you don't recommend anybody who's going to do a bad job for somebody that you're wanting to get a job done. You recommend the best person that you know. And then the person who you recommended them to, they go and try them. And they decide, hey, this guy's all right. Girl's all right. Whatever. You know, they're all right. And you go back. Because of the recommendation. Because No, not because of recommendation. You go back because they did a good job. They, you go back because they took care of business. A TCB. That's right. I don't care what coast is coast you live on. You got to take care of business. And your words got to be good. So you're gonna do something. Uh, you're gonna, to, you know, uh, you you take a man's money. You take whatever. And you say you're going to deliver on certain things. You got to deliver. Simple as that. Don't take the job. And 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 too many times, what's happening in business in American business today, and that's why our young people feel as though you know they, they they're owed these things, is because everybody we're teaching them that everybody deserves a trophy. No, they don't. Everybody deserves participation, but not everybody deserves first, second, and third prize. Do you realize that they are eliminating that so much in schools today? They're eliminating uh, first prize, second prize. It, It takes away incentive to excel and be great. If everybody, if everybody's great, nobody is. You understand what I'm saying? If everybody's great, then nobody is because greatness then becomes cheap. Huh? If everybody's your girlfriend, nobody's your girlfriend. If everybody's your boyfriend, nobody's your boyfriend. It means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah. And, and and that's where we have come. I'm CL. We'll be back. Home stretch. CL Bryant show in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. 
God bless America. I do the best I can. Always lend a helping hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. I was looking at this thing, um, you know. If you if, if anybody of a certain ilk praises you for anything these days, and I don't care uh, who uh, it is, if they praise you, just giving you just giving you a thumbs up or or whatever, and and folks the liberals don't like them, then you uh, become some kind of of racist or something. Okay, like you know, white nationalists praise Tucker for something he said on his show, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Tucker is supposed to be. And uh, I met Tucker years ago. At um, I was I, I closed um, down. I closed down a um, a nine uh, twelve rally. And Tucker spoke there, and I uh, was the last speaker uh, of that evening. That's been about uh, seven or eight years ago. And Tucker's a great guy, great great guy. He was a young t- younger Tucker then, and he hadn't reached the status that he is now. But um, how do you how do you call Tucker a racist? It, Tucker's not, believe me, he's not. But that just goes to show you how they are going to try and make you. They try to force you to comply by calling you names and uh, making you uncomfortable, um, make threatening your wife and children, those types of things. You know, uh, this 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 you got to push back. Oh, you got to push back. You got to push back. Because, you see, the only reason they feel as though they can threaten you is if, for some reason, uh, you don't push back. And, And someone with the visibility of Tucker, and, you know, and, of course, I don't, I don't, nearly have that kind of visibility I'm very visible uh, Tucker's visibility he's high up on that hill yeah you can see him on there you can see him I have to, I have to sort of wave a flag for you to see me but Tucker he's, you can see him clearly up on the hill <laughs> oh yeah yeah Michelle we, we still have to wave <laughs> won't be long though won't be long uh, yeah we won't have to wave it long thank God but hey this is getting bad um this is getting real bad 40 arrested in violent uh, minnesota protest last night this is the second, that was the second night yeah they arrested 40 folks last night and who are they Oh, you know who they are. They're paid operatives. That's who they are. They're paid operatives. And they have no dog in the fight whatsoever. No, they don't have a dog in the fight whatsoever. They don't, they don't know the man, uh, Deontay, 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 uh, right. They, they, they don't know him. They don't know anything about him. They don't know his family, don't know anything about him. They just know they busted out some windows and got a new pair of sneakers and maybe a television or something. Yeah. 
I know that it didn't take all that to protest the death of uh, Dante. No. And um, according to Dante's own mother, as I told you yesterday, one of the last words she heard was probably the girlfriend saying, don't run. You see. You may have caught me on Hannity yesterday. I was on with uh, my friend Sean uh, yesterday. uh, And I was on with a police sergeant from Dallas, Texas. And um, when we think about that thin blue line, and when we think about it going away, that thin blue line, yeah, police. Yeah, their job is to police. You know, um, you every every neighborhood should have actually an organized militia itself. But then you have the police. You see, the militia is only should be called on when it needs to be called on. But in the meantime, citizens, we pay police, men and women, to patrol and police our areas for us to keep them clean of crime. Clean streets uh, apply much further than just the uh, picking up of uh, garbage and debris that we can identify as trash. There are those who engage in being human excrement that must be policed. And that's why we hire people to do that. And they do. They see the underbelly of society. As I said, um, on uh, on on Sean on Hannity show on Hannity show yesterday, they they we pay them to see the underbelly of society. A lot of them burn out, you know. A lot of lot of, you know, hey preachers. I mean preachers burn out too. We don't see it the way um, police officers see it, but you see a lot of things that other people don't see in the lives of your congregants. And you could suffer a certain burnout. But we don't stand between you and crime. We may stand, we may try to help you through uh, spiritual issues or those types of things that uh, not land you in jail, but land you in hell. Yeah. But there's burnout that's happening rapidly now because of the attack on police officers. This has to stop. This has to end. And the reason it must end is because there are very few people, very few people, except in the um, courts and the hallways of public opinion, which is swayed mightily by these numbskulls on MSNBC, CNBC, and CNN. They're, they're swayed 
they are paid to sway you in a direction that leads you as it was said by Kenneth Blackwell, J. Kenneth Blackwell to a place of bondage. That's what Runaway Slave was all about in my film. That's what Runaway Slave was all about. I will uh, I'll share with you in short order uh, the, the name of our next film. I just want to Make sure I have all the T's crossed, I's dot, I's dot and T's crossed when we unveil that one. I had to do the same thing with Slave. Yeah, we're only Slave. But friends, that's what it was about. It was about people in bondage. And we're not talking about back in the, in, in the 1800s. We're talking about people who are in bondage now. I thank God that he has allowed me to break free uh, from so many things that would place you in bondage. But the way things are going, the way things are with Joe Biden and the agenda that these elitists have, they want to eliminate opportunity for us to Enjoy the fruit of capitalism. And once you take that away, once you eliminate the the ability of an American to enjoy the fruit of capitalism, then you have destroyed effectively. You've destroyed America. Why does a 78-year-old man want to do that? I can tell you. I can wrap it up in two minutes. Joe Biden, in the last 50 years, has only received, except for the monies that him and his brother and now Hunter have been able to peddle their name to get, except for that money that they've get, which has been millions, millions. Joe Biden's um, paycheck come from government. Same way with Obama. In fact, I think the only paycheck Barack Obama's ever received was from government. You see. So then you understand how they can be the way they are because they've never done anything that government didn't pay for or that their affiliation with government didn't pay for. And how does that thing with Biden and his son go away when we know that doggone well he had to have peddled his his father's name in order to get what he got. How does that go away? It's the same thing that we were talking about with Tamney. Those people who tell you that you had to stay home off your job, that your job would, you, you would die if you went to your job. The ones who tell you to wear the mask because the mask make it better. Well, if the mask work, then why did we have to shut down our jobs and our businesses? And if they don't work, 
Why are we wearing them? Who is they that we're yielding to? Who is they that Joe Biden is yielding to? Who is they? Who are they? Who are they? Who are they? We talk about they did this, they did that. Who is the they? Who are they? That's what we really need to expose. That's what we need to find out. I talk about that when I come out to visit you, wherever you are. I talk about who they are. I look forward to, to speaking with you. Um, we are going to put up a um, uh, an email for you to contact uh, me as a speaker here real soon. We'll be back in the saddle soon. And so um, thank you all for uh, coming along with us here today. And thank you all for making the show as popular as it has been. It's time for us to now go back to living our American lives. It's time for us to go back to living our American lives. And I want to thank God for bringing us to the close of yet another day. And I want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the globe who defend our right to speak our minds. And until I'm able to talk to you again, I'm CL. And this is the CL Bryant Show, coast to coast, border to border, over Red State Talk Radio around the globe. And my heartfelt desire for you, my fellow Americans, that God will bless and keep you all. Thank you.